Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roney and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. I have my co-host Gina Warfel with me, and we have a special guest today, Dr. Meg Mill, who is a headache and migraine specialist. And so I probably get like five questions through DMs and emails a week about my child is getting headaches and migraines. I have headaches and migraines. What do you recommend? And this is kind of like a gray area because there's not a lot of good information out there. So we are really, really lucky to have Dr. Meg on here. Dr. Meg, welcome. We're so excited to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and like how you got into this field? Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. So I noticed the same thing that you did. Um, I'm a functional medicine practitioner and I have a virtual practice where I'm seeing patients with all different conditions. Mm -hmm. And something I noticed was that was a common thread with people that were coming to me were whether they were coming to me with headaches and migraines specifically as their chief complaint or Mm -hmm. whether they were coming for something else, we really dig into their whole health history. And when we were doing that, particularly women, it's so common to have people that are just regularly suffering from headaches and migraines. And and we sort of normalize it in conventional medicine. It's Mm -hmm. people think like, oh, that's just my genetics. or that's just, you know, I just Mm -hmm. have headaches and, and take something to to really just cover up the pain and right. not maybe not even aware that there's things that they can do. So mm-hmm. when working with people, then I would find that people would say like, oh my gosh, I, I don't have headaches anymore. I've had them my whole life, you know, forever. And I, that always that I can remember and now I'm not getting them. And it made me realize, wow, this is really a place where we do need to educate people more. And there's so much that they can do to actually end headaches for good and not have to take other medications. Yes. Do you focus on headaches or were you just like, so many people are suffering from it. Let me become an expert at this. Yeah, I actually wasn't specifically my journey that brought me into functional medicine was actually issues with my gut. So I was going Mm -hmm. from gastroenterologist jumping around to I had IBS and was just not able to get answers Mm -hmm. myself. And here I was a medical professional and not able to get answers. Can we talk about that for a second? Because the information out there about gut stuff is terrible. Like if you have gut issues and you go to like a mainstream doctor, good luck trying to find answers because they don't know jack about healing. Well, the same with headaches. I mean, headaches, same thing. Like I I had headaches when I was like severe migraines when I was in like fourth grade for many years. And doctors are doing like MRIs and they're doing like brain, they're doing all the things. And they're just like, we don't know. You should just take Tylenol or ibuprofen and that Mm -hmm. was it. And they just kind of left me with that until I took more of a functional medicine approach. And mm-hmm. I hear that story all the time. It's just like, we scanned your brain and it's fine. We don't really yep. know what else to tell you. Nothing else is going to make a difference. You mm-hmm. know, that was my story too. I grew up from the age of six onward with like headaches and migraines. And I remember like falling on the ground, like screaming in pain. And then my mom would have to like pump me with, you know, like ibuprofen. And I just have to scream for an hour until the ibuprofen kicked in. Yep. And I, I got scan after scan and they found all these other problems with me. They're like, oh, you should be having C seizures and you should be did it did they wanted to put me in like seizure medication and thank heaven my mom was like you know a functional health practitioner and she's like I'm not going to put my child on seizure medication that's insane she's not having seizures she's having migraines 
And so, yeah, like right. the information is just so bad. And so anyways, we were talking about guts. Now we're talking about, I'm sorry. I just, yeah. when you, when, when you were talking about your digestion, I'm just like, nobody knows how to fix digestion in the mainstream world. Like it is so sad. And so anyway, so we're so excited to have you on here to like, tell us like, how do we navigate this world? What, what questions should we be asking? And like, what is actually happening? Yeah. I want to make, I want to add on to your point there that, what you were saying about your, your experiences. And I, I do like to use sort of an analogy with this where we treat migraines differently than we treat in conventional space versus functional medicine space. So, and the analogy I like to use is if you take your car to a mechanic and you say, my car is making a noise and they walk over and they hand you a pair of earmuffs and they hand you your keys back, are you going to feel comfortable driving away with your car? No, that's a great (laughs) analogy. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we don't. But for some reason, we feel okay just covering up pain Mm -hmm. when it comes to headaches. And, And headaches are a symptom. So you're getting that symptom because something else is going on in your body and we need to look into that. And so instead of just putting that pain medication on that can cause other issues, like we're saying, and, you know, and eventually gut health issues and all sorts of other things that people are just taking this medication regularly. If we look into those reasons, then we can often just really fix what the underlying cause of the headaches and treat it. We sort of flip flop the approach in functional medicine. So let's say someone comes to you and they're, they're suffering with headaches and migraines or their child is, what are the questions that you start launching into? Like, what are people supposed to be looking at that are triggering headaches? And are there multiple things that trigger headaches and migraines? Yes, absolutely. So what we do is we sort of, we do detective work. So whenever people come to me at first, we go through a really detailed health history intake. And so we really go back to birth and we look at their whole life and and different triggers through your life can cause things that are happening now that maybe people aren't even aware of. So we, we look at all of that, but we diet as a factor. So I think when you're saying the kids with, with diet, I don't think people are aware so often about how much their food is affecting everything in their health, but particularly in this case, their headaches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when we, we can dive, we know there are certain food groups that actually trigger headaches. Mm -hmm. So we know that foods like tyramine foods and and sulfites and salicylates and different food groups can be triggers for people. Yeah. Can you just share before moving on from that, those compounds, like where would people be finding those? Like what, yeah. what are some common foods where people would find those? Sure. Things? So tyramine can be found in like aged foods and aged and cured foods. Mm-hmm. So the, look for those food groups. Um, salicylates can be found in citrus fruits. Mm-hmm. Uh, nitrates um, are in hot dogs and bacon and foods like that. We have sulfites that are in um, wines and dried fruits, mm-hmm. and histamines are often in aged cheeses, fermented foods, and shellfish. There, and you can actually, if you Google those food groups, you can get like clear lists even of those foods. And then you want to also look for some like MSG is a mm-hmm. preservative in a lot of packaged foods. You know mm-hmm. that can trigger headaches. So can aspartame, which is in diet soda. And then even some colorings and flavorings, if you're, you know, eating, we want to stay away from processed food as much as we can. But if you are eating that, those things can also trigger headaches. Mm -hmm. So another thing though, for people is it does take some detective work because sometimes some people will tell me like, 
well, I had a glass of wine and I didn't get a headache. So wine mm-hmm. doesn't bother me. But then I had another, I had wine another time and I had, you know, I woke up with this terrible headache, but it might not have just been just the wine. It might've been the wine with some aged cheese that you had that just sort of put you over that limit. Yeah. So sometimes it can also be tricky for people because it can be like that food in combination with each yes. other for the triggers. But if you want to start investigating that for yourself, I actually recommend for people to just print out a calendar that's blank. And then if, when you get your headache, write down what you ate that day and possibly the day before. Mm -hmm. And you can start, you may be able to start seeing some triggers right away yourself Mm -hmm. that you may not be aware of if you're not. And with those, with those food triggers, do you usually see that those are pretty much the trends, like those same groups, or do you find a lot of people who are like, you know, things that are all across the board are, do you see that it's pretty much just those same food groups or? Well, so food sensitivities also play a role in headaches. So it can be like what you're saying all over the board because everyone can have different food sensitivities. And those are tricky because they come up four to 48 hours later. So people Mm -hmm. aren't even always aware of the foods that they're sensitive. I actually think almost everyone should just take a food sensitivity test Mm -hmm. to really know because we're all having, we all can have food sensitivities that we're not aware of and people because they can be headaches because they can be eczema or mm-hmm. achiness or different things. Acne think people aren't even aware that they're sensitive to the foods that they're actually eating. Right. And I want to really emphasize what you said. It can be between four to 48 hours before you start getting symptoms. Like people need to be mindful that like your inflammation can be a delayed onset. So just because you ate a food and you don't have a headache that day, it doesn't mean it's still not bothering you. I've heard some other functional practitioners saying like you have to cut out a certain like food group for at least 30 days to get all the proteins out to stop that inflammatory cascade because people will often say, oh, well, I went gluten free and dairy free and I didn't notice anything after a month. And it's like, well, you got to keep going, right? Like you got to really like inflammation in the body and like these, these triggers, they're not as simple as like, I cut it out. Therefore it should be done. For three days. Right. For three days or like 30 days, right? You have to keep going and you have to allow the body some time to like recalibrate and heal. So I hope that's okay that I really emphasize that because people need to be mindful. Like it's not as simple as cut it out and it's done. You got to keep going. Absolutely. And actually I even say 90. Yes. 90 days. Like Mm -hmm. that would be ideal. Right. I love that you said that Dr. Mag, because three months is a really good time to cut out food. Like, can we just put that out there. So I'm really, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering with, with all the food sensitivity testing out there, do you have a, a recommendation? Right. I get the questions all the time. Like, can I just do Everly well? That's uh, you know, a hundred dollars to my door, or, you know, something like that. Do you have any guidance or a recommendation on that? Yeah, I would get, I would get one from a practitioner that you trust because when you yeah. go to different practitioners, they're vetting those products and they they know how to read the labs they know exactly what's being tested so you can go you know I've even seen the food sensitive like oh I just saw one that was hair and I and it was like oh your test it was they're just all so different and Mm -hmm. and they're advertising but you just can't necessarily know for sure that you're getting true results so I would recommend in that case to find someone that you trust to order through them yeah yeah Go ahead. I was going to say, I can give a little bit of reason why the 90. Yes, please <laughs> do. People. Please. Yeah, so yeah. Our IgG antibodies have a half a 23-day half-life. 
And so the IgG antibodies are, are what is reacting when you're having that food sensitivity. Those are the antibodies in your immune system. And so the reason we say 90 is because half, like after 23 days, half of those antibodies are going to be gone. And then after another 23 days, you get like another half. And so when Beautiful. you figure that out statistically, after 90 days, they should be cleared out. Perfect. I'm so glad you explained that. Thank you. So let's say someone comes to you and you've done their whole health history and you're looking at their diet and they're cutting out other things. What are some other things that you would want to look at for people? Obviously, they should just probably contact you. But like when they're coming to you, what are some other environmental factors, medications? Like what are other things that play into this? Do antibiotics and like gut flora play into headaches and migraines? What do you think? Yeah, sure. So gut flora and definitely is a factor. So some gut is an independent trigger for, for headaches. So if you do have some dysbiosis or different things going on, that can be something that we dig into and find as a trigger. But two things that your listeners could do right now is stay hydrated. So Mm -hmm. hydration is an independent trigger for headaches. So if you make sure that you're drinking water through the, the day, you know, try to aim for about half your body weight, and really try to sip it throughout the day rather than getting most of your water with meals because you're getting, you know, that's a better way to increase cellular hydration. So just keep it, you know, it's something that not everyone does. It's an easy thing to do, but just have that water with you and make sure you're, you're drinking that daily is helpful. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is really prioritizing sleep because we know particularly with migraines, there's a correlation with REM sleep and, mm-hmm. and incidents of migraines. So um, just making sure that you're doing the things that you need to do to get a good night's sleep or re- can be really helpful and impactful sometimes even with people with headaches. Perfect. What would be some of your recommendations for like getting good night's rest, like like changing lighting at night or what would you recommend? for listeners mm-hmm. that are well, suffering with migraines? Yeah, so I recommend that you turn off all full-spectrum light an hour or two before bed. So, you know, try to keep your phone in another room. Sometimes we can be so attached to our phones, but, you know, if you can have that mm-hmm. separated so you're really not getting that stimulation of your brain before bed. And then um, you want to also avoid doing any stimulating work before bedtime. So like if you don't do your planning or your bills or anything that's going to stimulate your brain, just try to have that time and just kind of calm your body down. You want to keep your room cool, dark, and quiet. So, you know, having a noise machine, having blackout curtains, or even an eye mask. Sometimes a fan is nice because it can cool the room and even out the noise. So just creating that. Actually, even, you know, we have a lot of electronics in the room, which can create light. And when we have light in the room, that can stimulate our cortisol. And we want the melatonin to be high at night and the cortisol to be down. So just really as dark as you can get, you know, your room for sleeping. And then avoiding caffeine after 2 p.m. I think one of the things that trips people up is chocolate, it does, you know, because yeah. it does have caffeine. And sometimes people do evening chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not thinking they're having coffee, but they have that. <laughs> and that can keep you up. And then actually just calming your digestion. So not eating before bed. Because sometimes when you're digesting food, you don't sleep as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the only thing I heard from that is don't eat chocolate at night. And I'm so sad. Yeah. <laughs> Like I'm really depressed right now. Don't eat chocolate at night. Don't eat chocolate at night, guys. That's the most important thing. 
Dr. Meg, can you talk to us a little bit about, because with migraines, food, environment, sleep, how do hormones play a role when it comes to headaches and migraines? And what are things that people should be mindful of in this area? Yeah, so particularly for women who suffer from those cyclical migraines that you're getting once a month, often like right when you get your period or right before, think of those most likely being hormone related. And so what happens is that week before we get our period, we have our estrogen and progesterone both drop, but sometimes your progesterone can drop more dramatically than estrogen. Mm -hmm. So it leaves you estrogen dominant and that can increase the release of prostaglandins, which are inflammatory mediators, which can produce headaches. So Mm. we really want to make, you know, the things you can work on there are really balancing out those hormones. And uh, without testing your hormones, it's hard to really know exactly where your hormones are to balance. But we do know that we're getting a lot of estrogen from outside of our body. So one thing that's really easy to do that you can do right now is try to decrease your estrogen load mm-hmm. and and pay attention to things outside yourself that can have estrogen. And just for listeners that are that are like, well, what are estrogen things in the environment? Plastics, perfumes, mm-hmm. what are some other things that people should be mindful of? I mean, just follow just ingredients online and do everything she says, basically, because she yeah. tells people how to get rid of all the chemicals in their life. But what are some other hidden environmental factors that uh, you find people just completely look over? when it comes to uh, xenoestrogens? Yeah, so I think one thing you can really do is pay attention to your your meat and your dairy Mm. because Mm. a lot of, you know, really get that grass-fed, like hormone-free beef and dairy and eggs. You know, I I heard recently a a statement saying any antibiotic a cow is given, so are we, and that's really gross when you think about all the things that are given to the animals that then come into our body. So just be mindful if you can get your, get as much of that natural as possible is a, is a good step. And um, you mentioned the plastics. That's another one. Cause we get a lot of xenoestrogens from plastics. Also um, think of your skin like a giant mouth. Yes. And so whenever what you're putting on your skin is going into your body. So yeah. I recommend to my patients, it can be expensive to switch everything out to natural. So I just say, whenever you're done with a bottle, just buy a new bottle of something natural. So every time you're done with a product, just replace that product. If Mm -hmm. you can't clean up everything right away, you're at least making steps to get there and have that Mm -hmm. clean environment. I think of like young girls who are putting on lotions that smell like, you know, perfume. And that scares Mm -hmm. me because like we are literally messing with their very, very, very new endocrine systems and it's and it's not good Mm -hmm. but they want to smell like a victoria's secret like magazine right like they want to smell like that amber romance and it's like no 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 no, that's not good for you so so moms out there with young daughters be really mindful of the perfumes Mm -hmm. also i i think of like female tampons and stuff like that that are all perfumed and an organic cotton and Mm -hmm. we're literally putting that in like a sex organ that is highly absorbable So be mindful of like, you know, make sure I love the, what are those cups called? The silicone cups. You know, oh, like, yeah. The diva cup. Yes. The diva cups. Like diva yes. cups are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, like get away from all those Tampax stuff that smell like perfumes. Like you don't want that in your, in your sex organs, like right where your hormones are. Right. We don't realize that 
hormones could be a huge contributor to migraines. And so thank you for explaining that. Are there other things that people could be mindful of when it comes to like the whole hormone department? And like, does that even relate to children? Like with children, it wouldn't be hormones, but it would be more of like food and environment, right? Not likely. And it would depend on the age. So if if a girl is getting to be the, you know, our bodies do change before we actually start our period. So if, you know, if girls are getting to close to that age and their body is making changes that could be hormonal related. So, you know, just really pay like some of those things really, you can be your own detective yeah. and see what, like, you know, how are we getting these cyclical? Are we, is there any relation to anything else going on? But there is that component most likely with children, especially if they're not that in that puberty stage, it, it's not hormonal related. It could be, it would be more likely to be something, you know, from food, from the environment, from another imbalance going on in their body. So, mm. you know, your environment plays a big factor too. You know, we really want to make sure that our environment is as free of, of toxins as we can. We know that lead and cadmium mm. are um, two heavy metals that are related to migraines and headaches. Mold can cause headaches. So if you yes. have, if you have mold illness, that can be another factor. So detoxification and environment can be a big factor too. Are you seeing that more and more with your clients, with your patients? Because I feel like mold toxicity and heavy metals, like our environments are so toxic. Are you seeing that rising as you are doing testing on all your patients, that that is a bigger contributor to migraines than we realize? Yeah, there is a lot of correlation between toxicity and and headaches too. So we definitely look into that. And mold illness is, you know, if you have signs in your home, we can get, you know, you can clean up your food because we do get a little bit of mold through certain foods. But if you have any sign in in your home, it would be smart. And, you know, the thing, other thing about mold toxicity is it's individual because we Mm -hmm. all process toxins differently. So you could live in a house where you're the only person effect. So you think, oh, there's nothing going on here. I'm the only person with migraines or I'm the only person that feels sick. But it it may not be making the other members of your family sick, but you still could be reacting to the mold. Right. This episode is sponsored by Cozy Earth, a premium bamboo bedding and loungewear company. You guys, if you want to get 40% off the best sheets of your life, listen up. I am hooked on Cozy Earth bamboo sheets. I never knew how much better my sleep would get because of their temperature and moisture regulation. Not only that, but they are antibacterial, insanely soft, and one of my favorite things besides being certified free of harsh chemicals and dyes is that they are a company that practices ethical production, which is a huge bonus for me. So if you're ready to try these sheets and get better sleep, go to CozyEarth.com and use this incredible 40% off discount code, Gutsy. Oh my gosh. Like, and I, Makes it tricky. Yeah, really tricky because sometimes one person might think like they're the only crazy person and it's all in their head. And that happens a lot with people that have mold toxicity. It's like, like there's no good testing for mold. And so doctors are like, all your labs are fine. You look, you're the picture perfect picture of health. And meanwhile, they're as sick as a dog because of mold toxicity, because there's like terrible testing for it. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. So with all these things that you just kind of went over, you know, you have the food sensitivities, you have the hormones, environmental toxicity, mold. I'm sure there's probably even more uh, that you could maybe touch on, but where do people begin? Do they just try and, you know, 
look at all of it and do a bunch of testing or do do you have like a process where you like to start people or how do people even begin to investigate what could be their issue? I have a process called the EAT method. So it's E-A-T. Mm. And so we work through what we start with enlighten and we work through enlightening ourselves on what is triggering our headaches. So that's when we would go through the food sensitivities, the hormones, the toxicity, all the things. And then the next phase is align. And so we um, align our bodies and rebalance all of those factors and in the hormonal and stress. And we didn't get get quite into stress, but that's another factor that can be contributing to your headaches. And then the last section is thrive where we really make sure that you have the right nutrients that you're, you know, good movement and everything to thrive and set up to remain headache free. So um, that's kind of the process in which I, I take people in. I'm actually starting a group program where I'm going to be taking people, more people because I have been able to help so many people. I want to reach more. So through that EAT method and, and see to get more results for people. But I think right now for people that are listening, I would say the first thing you want to do is start paying attention. Like I was saying to when you're getting your headaches, you know, just be open to the fact that it is, it's not just genetic. It's not Mm -hmm. just something that you have to live with. There are causes that can be triggering your headaches. And if you can be aware of those and start investigating them, start making sure you're getting good sleep, start making sure you're, you know, make sure you're hydrated, pay attention to your foods and, and start doing some of that. You may be able to figure out some of the things on your own to start getting it or, you know, look for a practitioner who can help you and guide you. It just makes it, um, I think having a, I do feel like there's information overload out there sometimes. And you hear so many things like you were bringing up with the gut health, like it's like this and this and having that guide is nice. So you just like know what to do. It makes it easy and you, you have a guide to get through it and feel better. You mentioned stress. Can you tell us a little bit more about every, everyone probably listening right now is like, yeah, stress is probably a factor, but like, can you tell us a little bit more in detail? Like, how is that affecting the body? Why is it so terrible for headaches and migraines? And, and obviously like, what would be some of your like stress management, like techniques or what would you recommend to people? Yeah, sure. So stress is, I call the chain of pain because, um, I love that. Yeah. It, it is, um, with people, particularly with headaches, have this chain of pain because when we think of stress, we think of our emotional stress and what we have going on in our to-do list, but stress can also be physical. So Mm -hmm. you can be in that sympathetic nervous system because of pain and it can put you into that, you know, it can raise your cortisol levels. And then once your cortisol levels are raised, you um, release another hormone called prolactin, which increases your pain sensitivity. Mm. So you actually get in this cycle of, of headache pain and burst with create stress, which creates pain. So we really want to get people that are these are chronic headache sufferers out of this chain of pain. And um, so I really think that stress management is individual. And I work with, I, I love meditation personally. It resonates with me, but you know, doing things that can bring you back into that parasympathetic. So if you can do deep breathing, yoga, meditation, going for walks outside, anything that can really make you feel calm, you know, whatever resonates. Some people like to dance. Some people like to sing something that makes, brings you joy and back to that parasympathethetic nervous system is mm-hmm. and, and practice it so that you 
you can do it even when you're in that stressful state. I have another question um, about blood sugar regulation because I've noticed when I eat X amount of sugar, I will start to get headaches. I notice it in my kids too. When they eat X amount of sugar, they'll start to like complain with headaches and stuff. And I'll tell them you got to drink a lot of minerals and water and just rest. You know, have you noticed with your clients a correlation with like sugar and, and headaches and, and what's happening? If you are noticing that, why is it that sugar is inducing headaches and migraines in people? Yeah, de- we definitely do see that he- the hypoglycemic headache. So when you're getting that blood sugar drop, that can be a- another factor that's a trigger for headaches. I do recommend you switch more to a higher protein, higher healthy fat diet mm-hmm. and, you know, stay away from more of those carbs because the carbs are going to make your sugars, you know, rise quickly. Then the insulin comes out and, you know, takes the all the sugar into the cells and then you get the drops. So mm-hmm. when people are getting those up and down drops all day, they can mm-hmm. be more likely to get that headache trigger. So, mm-hmm. you know, switching for the more steady state blood sugar is very helpful. Fun story, but I'm notorious for every Christmas getting migraines because I eat so good throughout December. Oh, wow. And then it's like Christmas day, everyone's making like all the junk food, everyone's gifted all the candy and it's, you know, and it's like, and I'm like, oh, it's just one day. And it's that one day where I'm just like in a migraine fog and I have to take ibuprofen wow. and then drink like a bunch of celery juice every single Christmas without fail. I will get migraines every single Christmas. It's like, I don't think there has been one since like 10, like in the past 10 years. And it's, and I know it's for me, it's sugar. Like as soon as I hit about like 30 grams of sugar or 40 grams of sugar a day, it's over. Like it's game over and I'm just chasing pain all day long. And so, so I know for me and and my kids, like we're very, very blood sugar sensitive when it comes to headaches and migraines. Um, I had another question, if you don't mind me asking Dr. Meg, are you, have you ever seen with people with connective tissue issues like EDS, Ehlers, Danlos, like, and like, have you seen migraines more prevalent in people that have connective tissue issues or is that a little too far left field and you like there, you haven't really seen a connection? I personally haven't seen, I can see why you're asking and I mm-hmm. can see that could be, you know, see the connection, but I haven't necessarily seen have data to support that, that total connection within my practice that I've seen a difference. I was just curious. I'm sorry, because I have a lot of people that have heads that, that have headaches too. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I was just wondering if it was like a reason as to why is it, is it because like the vasculature in the brain is more loosey goosey and therefore more prone to inflammation. So anyways, that can absolutely be the case. Mm -hmm. And I could see that why that, that is the case. So that would be something that they would have to, you know, and, and that's what we do. We dig into all the different factors for someone that can be triggering them and then minimize everything we can. Some things, you know, if there are structural things, we, you can't, you can't change some things, but you, you put, you make all the risks, other triggers, risk factors, you give the right nutrients. And often people can be come on that balance where it's not enough to trigger a headache. Like you're saying, when you know, when you hit 30 or 40 grams of sugar, that's going to be your trigger. And that's what's going to cause that pain because the, the headache is the symptom of whatever's going on. So we're trying to bring everything 
to a place where you're less likely to have that symptom through balance. Have you found any uh, supplements to be helpful for people uh, when they have like uh, an acute headache or migraine, anything that's worked? You know, I do like peppermint oil when they're having an acute migraine. That is something, you know, if you can take, you could take like curcumin is an anti-inflammatory. Some of those things can help pain, but they're not that acute when you're having that migraine. It's right. it's just not enough sometimes. So really getting in that, you know, dark room, putting something cool on your forehead and peppermint and lavender is a good combination for that immediate treatment. Magnesium is very helpful in preventing headaches. Mm. So, you know, look, if you are someone who suffers from headaches, you'd look at your magnesium intake and see if you're eating it. I would recommend boosting up your foods with magnesium in them. What kind of magnesium if people were to supplement? What's your favorite? Because there's like a lot of people say three and eight magnesium three and eight is really good for brain. But do you have a favorite like glycinate or citrate or do you just think any kind of magnesium? Well, it depends on the person. It it depends on all of the three and eight is good for the brain. And that would be if if you're just picking one and you have headaches, that would be a good choice. Um, But I do, I pick my, I know it's interesting because I pick it based on a lot of different factors and symptoms that people are experiencing. Mm. And so I kind of make my magnesium choice on your whole health rather than just, okay, I always go like, this is my go-to. Right. Okay. That makes sense. I'm looking at your media kit right now and it says, don't lick the paint. (laughs) Can you explain that to us? What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that had to do with the lead. (laughs) Because, yes, (laughs) because um, there is, lead is a trigger. So lead, um, heavy metals, particularly lead and cadmium are triggers for migraines. So, and those are things that people aren't even looking into. You're not thinking like, oh, I have a headache. Maybe I have lead toxicity. Lead toxicity is another thing that can be tricky because as women age and our bone health changes, you can actually store lead in your bones. And then once you're going through menopause or perimenopause and and your, your bones change and you can actually start expressing those levels of toxicity later in life, even if you haven't been holding on to the toxicity since a young age. So sometimes things will show up out of the blue. You're not even thinking, you know, there might not be exposure right now, but maybe that, that paint that you licked as a child in that old house or something could be coming out and and you're not even aware. We had a great talk too, when we interviewed the lead free mama, I think Mm -hmm. that was her. Yes. Tamara, Tamara, Uh, that was such a good episode. She was really interesting that she, she brought to light that so many people are drinking out of painted, you know, mugs that have, painted you know on the inside and then just drinking and that's where because we're a lot of time we're like i'm not licking my walls you know of paint mm-hmm. and i'm not in a super old house so i'm fine but how it sneaks in how that lead sneaks into a lot of like our dishes and our mugs and things and like that do you toys. have any recommendations on what to drink your coffee out of so she mentioned glass like if we can just do glass, glass as like much as possible mm-hmm. glass because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they have like glass mugs that you can drink out of but but if you guys are interested in listening to that podcast episode with Tamara, it was brilliant because she brings to light how the lead industry is making more money every year. That's because they're producing more lead every year and they're selling more lead every year. It's not an illegal Mm -hmm. commodity. Like there is an industry Mm -hmm. that sells lead to consumers. And so we're, we're seeing it in our toys. We're seeing it in our, you know, like our mugs, like Gina mentioned and our makeup 
like so many things are contaminated. It's not just our paint. And so when people are like, oh yeah, I don't live in an old house. No, you are constantly bombarded with lead. And every time our clinic actually does like heavy metal testing, lead is through the roof for everyone. Every single person. I, I think there might've been one or two people where it's like, oh, your lead exposure is normal, but they grew up in like a different country, you know? And so, but here in America, like there is tons and tons of lead. When people are hunting, your bullets are lead, you know? So you have to like get specific bullets that are lead free. And so if people are hunters and they're like, you know, trying to get their own meat, be mindful that you're not shooting your meat with like lead bullets because that scatters everywhere. And so it's just like, it's just these little nuances. Like go listen to that podcast, you guys. And she also had like a whole documentary that you can watch for free on YouTube. It will blow your freaking mind. But unfortunately we are, we live in a very, very uh, heavy metal burdened and like, life and country and you know from our leafy greens to the toys that our kids play with like we are surrounded by heavy metals and like detoxing i'm actually doing a podcast with um one of the founders of cell core science pretty soon so look out for that episode i know yeah yay and and we're going to be talking about like why everyone just needs to do heavy metal like not heavy metal testing but heavy metal detoxing every year you know because we are just constantly surrounded by this and this is our new normal Like, this is just the world that we live in. It's a very toxic world. And we just have to take steps to be proactive about our health, unfortunately. So, sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent. But, um, yeah, that's, I agree. That is good. We, you can either ignore it or you can realize that it's there and do something about it. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Um, Dr. Meg, can I ask for parents of children that have headaches and migraines? You've given us a lot of great tips. Are these, would these be the same tips for children? Where would overwhelmed Mm -hmm. parents start with their children as far as like Mm -hmm. helping them? Because they're obviously very desperate and scared for their little ones that are suffering. Well, I think that the, like I said, make sure they're drinking, make sure they're staying hydrated. Sometimes kids don't hydrate well because they're too busy. You know, Mm -hmm. you see that like they just don't want to stop and eat or stop and drink. So, you know, really have that cup ready for them and, and have it like kind of make sure that they're on top of it and Mm -hmm. that they're staying hydrated. Because I do think that is a, for, especially for little ones, they can you know, just want to play. And so then I also would start paying attention. You do want to clean up their food. So Mm -hmm. they could just do the same thing that I was saying about really printing out a blank calendar. And if they get those headaches, start to track what is in there. What is the change in their environment when they're getting the headaches? What food have they eaten that day? You know, even environment, like, did you go somewhere different? You know, were you in one location versus another things in your environment, even pressure changes. So if you're traveling and environmental pressure, there's a lot of different factors that can come in. So once Mm -hmm. you start to really realize like, okay, there are things that are causing this, where can, what can I piece together that could be the start of what's going on? Okay. Beautiful. For people that want to know, I feel like we've gotten so many amazing golden nuggets from you. How do people find you? Like, how do they get more information from you? If they want to work with you because they're struggling, what are all the avenues that they can get a hold of you? Do you have a Facebook page? Do you have Instagram? What's your website? Because people yes, are going <laughs> to want, people are going to want to know more and they're going to want to like probably come to you for testing and to, to really help them dial in on what's causing their migraine. So how can we find you? 
Yeah, thank you. I um, I'm starting a program, like I said, specifically for this for people suffering from headaches. And so to find out more about that, you can go to happinessbeyondheadaches.com and that will get you on a list to get information about that program. And that's a good place to start. I'm also on Instagram at Dr. Meg Mill and um, my website that I see to schedule a call with me is just www.megmill.com. It's M-E-G-M-I-L-L. Perfect. And on Instagram, is it like spelled out doctor or D-R Megmill? Oh yeah, it is actually, that was a good catch. It's D-R Megmill. It's at D-R Megmill. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Thank you. you guys so, find you right now. That's I, awesome. I know, same. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and follow you. This has been <laughs> phenomenal and Thank you so much. Like, I'm so grateful that there there are smart doctors like you out there that really dive into this to help people because, yeah, migraines are very scary. Like, they're terrible. They're super debilitating. Like, when your brain is on fire, Mm. you can't do anything. I remember I would have to, like, stop sports events because I was suffering with, like, a migraine. And I'm really grateful that on my healing journey, I figured out it was super related to foods and sugar. And when I, surprised when I cut out the sugar, the migraines went away, right? Balancing my minerals was a huge one too. Like, but stabilizing my blood sugar was, like, the ultimate, ultimate game changer for me. But, yeah, like, when people have migraines, it literally, you can't think, you can't do anything. So, you guys, there is help out there. Reach out to Dr. Meg, join her program because it's, I'm sure it's phenomenal. I'm actually curious for myself. Can I join it? <laughs> yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> like, I want to learn more. I want to learn more. So you guys, um, thank you so much for plugging in today and we will catch you next week. Uh, Dr. Meg, before we close up, is there any last golden nuggets of wisdom that you want to impart on listeners? Well, I do want to say believe in your healing because yes. I think that sometimes, especially people that are chronic headache sufferers just can give up hope and, and feel like they have to live in like this. So, I mean, dig deep and put an affirmation on your bathroom mirror so you can see it every day with that belief that there is hope. You don't yes. have to live like this. And just really, I think that can be really powerful in, in the whole journey too. I am so grateful you said that. Healing happens, you guys. Like the body is designed to heal itself. And when we just give it the right tools, it does its thing and it does it really, really well. So thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you listeners. And we'll catch you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Health Podcast.